Hi guys, welcome to season two of the Man V Fat podcast. We have gone from season one, which has been about three years long, which has probably mirrored how the football season feels at the moment. Um, 38 episodes, so we've gone for a, a, a full premiership season, 38 games, and we've decided to go into season two. As I'm sure you'll hear, we've uh, we've kind of jazzed up the production a little bit, and that is down to the main man as ever, producer extraordinaire, Roman. Comrade, how are you, Roman? I'm all right. Very well indeed. Thank you very much. Good. As ever, we have co-host and all-round top guy, Ross Hunter. Hey, you, you told me I loved myself on the last podcast. Yeah, you've got to love yourself. I, I don't um, think that's I, the last podcast. You didn't. I think that's a, that's a reoccurring thing. Well, I, do you know, I've been, having, I've been having mental issues, not sleeping at night, <laughs> worried about what you're thinking about me. If, if you don't love yourself then you don't ever <laughs> allow anybody else to love you, my friend. Well, nice. if, you've got, nice if, if you've got mental issues, let me tell you, Stu's about to in, in, introduce somebody who will be able to deal with them. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> don't put any pressure on him there, Ron. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I can cut there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's okay. Uh, so way back uh, last year, we had um, Mike Richards, who is uh, the founder of a um, mental health charity called Talk About It, Mate. We've got you back on, Mike. How are you? Yeah, really good, guys. Happy to be here to see all your faces, you know. So some of the guys listening might remember Mike from the podcast uh, that we did last year. Also, you were down at the Etihad uh, with a stand, weren't you, at the, the national tournament that we had last year, last summer? Yeah, yeah, I like that. It was a good day. Yeah, uh, we show, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of love for, for Mike and for talk about it, mate, and the great things uh, that it does. Yeah. Since, so what we'll say, since, since the last time you were on, Mike, what's been happening? Well, it hasn't been happening, eh? Um, <laughs> I've, I've been on a bit of a quest, to be fair. Um, it's time for to definitely burn myself out, but uh, we've just steadily, steadily built it up, and uh, we've done workshops and we've done regular meetings that were, like we started off very social, like coffee shops and doing events, ping pong, bowling, and then it's just kind of snowballed really, and more and more people have joined all of our social media. Uh, we set up private groups, and then we branched out into actually offering uh, what we call peer support groups. So before. Uh, the pandemic hit us. We were we just started having face to face meetings, and then they then they actually put on ice, and we we've, we've managed that transition to uh, going online and using Zoom as we all are at the moment. So that's where we're at now. So talk talk to me about prior to uh, obviously the lockdown. Um, well, describe what a peer support group is for somebody who's who's basically a completely able to deter. Like me, because I, I always see it as like you do in the uh, in the American movies where it's some cop that shot some poor little kid in the street and he's sat in a room saying, I'm not talking to anybody, facing everybody circle-wise all the way around. Oh. And then they go, 
after about six months, they go, okay, I got my story to tell. And then they stand up and you have a big like route and, just, and something like that. That's how oh, I got it. It's a fight club scenario where people just turn up just to look at other people. Like Marla, Marla Singer, <laughs> That's my layman terms. Part of me wishes it was like that now because you hate Peer support, where can I start? Peer support is people using their own experiences to help each other. As simple as that. And we, we're pro- providing spaces where we get people together um, and they just talk about what's going on for them. It might be based around a theme or a topic. And um, it's really helping think that our core group and our men's group have been together for a few months now. And you can totally tell we did a podcast last night and uh, just to show everybody what it's like. And, you know, a lot of the guys are identifying that they're, they're being affected by similar things um, and learning from each other's stories. So it's really powerful. Excellent. Then, Good. So, so it's quite. Would you say it's quite a relaxed kind of social thing, or has it has it become? Obviously, you were meeting in coffee shops, or has it become more of a kind of more um, structured? I think so, yeah, the sessions need a certain amount of structure to them uh, in terms of we have what's called a contract so that make sure that everything is said in the room or in the space is confidential so that people can share and not be judged on what they've been saying. And, and that makes it sound more, more formal than it is. It's not like people are admitting to murder and stuff in these rooms. It's just to say, oh, I, uh, I had a panic, uh, panic about this or I got annoyed in the supermarket. It could be anything, really. But... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is. I like to say that a lot, but it, it's very, um, it, it, we're finding our feet. There's WhatsApp groups to supplement it. There's things on Facebook. So it's like social, quite laid back in some ways. And then if people want to bring something more, uh, with a bit more, bit deeper, they can do that in the space where they know they're not going to be judged. So that was obviously um, pre lockdown. How obviously how has the lockdown affected that? So you obviously have to find a way to still be able to support each other during lockdown. And what, what ways have you been doing that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it couldn't have come at a worse time for me. But then everybody's in the same boat. I understand that, but I don't want to devalue my own feelings about the situation. I pushed myself further than I ever pushed myself in my life to set. And I was about to sell three groups running on the same night across Manchester, and that had taken a lot of hours. You know, like I don't get paid for doing this. Like I do it in my spare time. But um, we had to very, we had to very, very quickly think what we're going to do. Is it at the end of it, or because the guys were just starting to really get into it, so uh, we 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 switched quite quickly to Zoom, and I had to, I had to learn quite quickly. And uh, you know, like anything, you, you adapt and survive and adjust. And here we are. It's, it's just gone from strength to strength so much so that we've added a women's group now. Excellent! Oh, fantastic! Yeah. What's what's the name of the women's group? Well, it's not been uh, it's not been decided yet, but a few names have been bouncing around. But the guys that come up with names, uh, they're all they're, I can't really repeat them. But you can repeat. You can repeat. Yeah, come on. What's it? The most friendliest one that you can repeat. Because I, ima- because I imagine that a, a man coming up with a name for a women's support group is an absolute recipe for disaster. I know. After. After have to sift through all the rubbish. I think someone said like chick chat or something. Do you but know what? There was like photos <laughs> on that list. But uh, obviously, yeah. before anybody like has a go, I'm not choosing the name. If I wrote to my wife in to run that group, so the group are going to choose the name. 
So, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, man, that's the one that popped into my head straight away, Chick Chat. I was like, oh, Chick Chat. Yeah, well, you better pop it right back out, Robert, because he's rubbish. He's very civilised from what I've heard, from what Laura's told me. They're just very civilised and, like, it's a lot different from the men's group. Probably a lot more polite. <laughs> Talking tips. Come on, Rom. Well, I've just, I've just, I've just got names going from my head now. Come on. I, I missed that. I, th- I, I hope I heard that incorrectly. No, you, you, you completely, you only didn't. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, um, Mike, do you feel as though um, these groups being obviously for one gender as such, do you think that helps the situation to help the guys to open up, to help the women to open up? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely, first of all, there's a need for men's peer support groups. It's, it's just obvious. Like, you just only have to look at the statistics in terms of men's mental health and ultimately suicide and if that's not a good enough reason to do something like this I don't, I don't know what is and there's better organisations with more manpower and more resources than me like Andy's Man Club for example um, but we're only at the start of our journey but there's I think any kind of space to bring people together you know like we have a, our groups online a mix so people on Facebook are mixing and we have a, like a quiz on a Saturday morning bit of a variety hour where we dress up in silly things that's for men and women and and but I think the support group themselves, I think it's really important to keep the men's group as it is because a lot of the guys know each other. Some of the guys I've met through Man V Fat actually, and some of the guys I've met through my other networks, through my counselling. And you know, it's really important to keep that because they've started to really trust each other and it's gone on beyond support now into like friendships there, really strong friendships. So uh, if we could create a similar thing with the women's group, again, I'm not involved. But, you know, I'm behind the scenes, but um, then that'd be amazing because we're trying to get different kinds of people into the group. And like the men's group, for example, who, you know, all men are not the same, are they? You know, like, and, and that's, we should celebrate the fact that we're different. And the one thing that we've all got in common at the moment is we've all got to deal with what's going on in the world. We've all got to learn how to cope, every single one of us. And it's, you know, people can say, oh, I'm doing this, this and this and showing off and stuff. And it's, you know, even if you don't do anything for the day, as long as you've got through that day, then, you know, I, I chalk that up as a win. Just, just obviously, I don't want to be reluctant to discuss COVID-19 because it's a massive, massive part of everybody's life right now. It's a, it, you know, it's a completely, utterly unprecedented event. Um, what do you, how have you noticed that in, in, in your groups and, and whatnot, have you noticed that, it's having a massive effect. It's obviously going to have an effect, but how do you see that differently from the day-to-day kind of normal routine guys are in? I think it gives people, like, it creates a situation where isolation is more common, isn't it? Um, and so if you're having an issue, it, it will come to the surface more often. So, you know, I, I anxiety is a symptom of some of the things that I suffer from, and it comes up quicker. Uh, and more often now than it did before lockdown because I have that time to, it, it has that time to take root. I'm not going to and from work or I'm not teaching and I'm not playing football and I'm not, you know, so you've got more more dead time, haven't you? And, it, you know, I think, so it, it's the need, it's the elephant in the room. We're all suffering from it, but we've all got issues behind it. Uh, but like I say, I don't think it's just strictly for people who have, uh, say, mental health issues. Like, I think we all have mental health. I've said that before. So, and everyone is being affected by what's happening with COVID-19. So this is a perfect opportunity for us to 
to expand our network. So I've turned a, a negative situation into a, a reason to bring people together. So I think this COVID is a um, potential catalyst. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's an opportunity, isn't it? And, it, you know, and things come up in life, there are opportunities. Uh, a lot of people say it might have been furloughed like myself. Uh, if anything, it means I've had more time to spend on um, talk by mate. However, it has con- consumed me a couple of times and it, I, I've got woken up and been like, I really don't want to do anything today regarding other people's mental health because you know, you're taking so much on board that you've got an empty container, haven't you? You know, and if I'm training to be a counsellor, that's something I've got to learn. So it is a learning experience, but uh, we're all going through it. And if we can all come together and get it off our chest and, and not necessarily have someone say anything back to you, just just speak. Like, you, see, you can see the weight lifted off people's shoulders over webcam uh, when they just had a little vent and got it off their chest. Like, oh, I'm annoyed about this today. This person in the supermarket wasn't social distancing. Uh, you know, and then they feel better. Yeah, it does. It's it, speaking. I'm, I'm a massive kind of advocate of having a having a waffle, um, and like you say, it's it it's harder to go to the pub and have a beer with your mates at the moment. Well, it's impossible to go to the pub and have a beer with your mates at the moment. Um, but then you get the people that haven't got mates close to them. So yeah, no, I, I can totally understand what you mean. Having that just a, a sounding board, so to speak, um, someone that's outside of your family unit or close unit is sometimes quite open and, and nice to air to somebody like that so yeah I'm I think it's more awesome. important to be fair like your friends and your family your close friends and family your close friends and family for a reason and that's that should be celebrated and cherished but it also is a big thing about who you're bringing your stuff to all the time like if I take all my negativity or all my worries and all my anxiety to my wife because we're stuck together like she's going to be like oh you know she's going to get a bit annoyed at me after a while because it's a lot for her to take in, isn't it? She's got her own stuff going on. Whereas if, like I say, we would have gone to the pub before or, you know, now I can bring it to the guys in the group. I can say, right, I've got 6.30 tonight. I'm going to get off my chest and then I'm going to feel better, you know? Like, I think that's really powerful and because I'm going to people who I know straight away, they know the stuff that's going on with me and they're not, they're not going to judge me. They're not going to jump in and try and fix me or rescue me because I don't need fixing. I don't need rescuing. I don't think a lot of people do. Unless you've got a serious, serious mental health complaint, that's what the, the frontline services are for. What we're doing is we're catching your everyday man in the, pe- man in the street and, and learn their learning techniques to manage their own mental health, and that's the best thing we could possibly do for them. What does man v fat mean to you? Lose weight and enjoy a game of football. Mental health camaraderie. Friends, football, fat loss. Reverse my diabetes. Big, sweaty, fun. Life changing football. Better and healthy lifestyle. Good competitive sport. Teamwork, banter and weight loss. Create a winning mentality to lose fat. Hard work, regime and football. It means sustainable weight loss. Don't let the boys down and don't let yourself down. Man v fat. Weigh, play, lose, win. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting what you say there, uh, just around, like, obviously, the lockdown is, is heightening any issues that, um, that are just there anyway. Um, I know that um, last uh, there's been days when I've been like, because obviously I, I'm working from home, um, and, and Tiff at the moment is, is off um, for 12 weeks because of, she suffers from asthma. Um, and basically, we've had to have a couple of days, I'm like, you know what? Just like, avoid me. <laughs> 
and just you know we've been together for nearly five weeks um and it's, yeah i think it's, it's really difficult to kind of make time for yourself during this uh, i'm for, i'm struggling with to do that to be honest does yeah. anybody else what what other kind of lockdown things are we struggling at guys um like I said, I'm I'm all right in my own company to a point. <laughs> um, that's, I only just talking today was like the one thing I'm missing is looking somebody in the eye um, and having a chat. Because even over Zoom, you're not doing it, or over any of your video conferences. Because you, when you're looking at the screen or you're looking at somebody, you're not looking at the camera or you're not looking directly in their eye. Um, and my job sales. So I'm I'm on the road, looking at people, standing in front of people. I'm I'm quite nervous about that coming back in whereas like prior before before COVID standing up in front of 200 300 people and doing a presentation I was all right with um whereas now I'm like ooh, can I do that that's going to be a bit nerve-wracking the first time I come back to do it or even a one-on-one going seeing somebody and having a one-on-one conversation because I find group group conversations easier because you can ask questions you can bounce around and off people and stuff like that and I think it's it's eye contact is the one thing that hit me today I was like god I've not I've not really kind of held somebody's not gaze like romance you know what I mean hey Rom (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know what I mean when when you're having a conversation with somebody and you're looking at them or you're paying attention and stuff like that and you don't want to be like fidgeting looking away all the time and um, that was something I had to kind of learn learn not to do no not and kind of keep the eye contact so that was something i'm i'm not stressing about but um can like worried about how i'll do it when i first i'll probably might just get into it and i'll, I'll be like water off a duck's back it'll be i'm back into it again but that's my biggest one the other one i had was i thought i drive for like hours and hours and hours a day all over the country how the hell am I going to learn? I've not been in a car for ages. Hang on a minute. I, I drove literally to the shops because my local, my local one was shut. And I was like, oh my God, this is a little bit scary. <laughs> I've not driven for ages. I mean, like one and a half tons worth of metal driving down the road. Hang on a minute. Whereas all those things, that, that's my kind of semi-panics, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. We're all doing a lot for self-care, though, isn't it? I think it's, like you say, having time for yourself and I think it's sometimes for men to say that is a bit of a dirty word isn't it like because men like to do things for other people to prove their worth don't they a lot of the time you know be the provider be the whatever but self it, it, you know I, I always think I'm no good to anyone else if I don't look after myself and you know I've struggled historically with that and uh, yeah like everyone and it, it, sometimes it's hard to to be in the, your own company for a long period um I'm an only child, so maybe I'm better at that than most people. But you know, I've done my fair share of reading, listening to music, watching Netflix, you know, and Carol Baskin did kill kill a husband. But um, (laughs) I think also social media can be a great, great thing, but you have to, you know, set your boundaries and you have to learn to limit it. So I don't really watch the news because you know I I know what my beliefs and my values are, very similar to shoes actually. But um, you know. And I also know there's a lot of negativity going around and how that can affect me and my anxiety. So I have to limit how much time I spend on social media, for example, because it can affect my mood. Things like that. We're all really about ourselves, but I'm not perfect. Uh, early on, early on, we were, I was watching the news every day. And I, I, had to, I had to have a little chat with myself and was like, can't keep watching the news every day. Can't keep doing it because... Um, 
it ain't good news at the moment, let's be honest. It's all COVID related. There's a lot, you know, obviously a lot of deaths and stuff, and, and the death tallies there every day. I try and watch it once every three or four days um, just to keep abreast of things. But yeah, uh, that was definitely one of the things that, well, like my lockdown's changed as it's gone on a little bit, and my routine's changed, and how I'm dealing with it's changed. But I also find that I, um, you might have three really good days. And then you have one stinker. Like one day last week, I was just in an absolute shite mood. You know, when you just get up and you're like, oh, I was like a bear with a sore head. I felt for Tiff because she obviously she was, and she, to be fair, she's had a couple of days like that as well. But, but yeah, you just get up and you're just in a, just in a bad mood. Um, and it's just weird. It's like this little bubble that just pops up. And then for the next three days, you're all right. Yeah. I found it's, it's changed. We can all get a routine. We all set our own routines, but like then we don't have to be dictated by that. I think people think I have to have this routine. I have to stick to this routine. But what they're doing is that a lot of people I see are negatively affected, say by social media. Is that they try and like, if I'm not getting up at X time and I'm not learning grade seven flugelhorn and speaking Swiss and running ultra marathons and I'm not using my uh, lockdown time effectively, and that's a load of bollocks, isn't it? Like set your own set your own uh, agenda. Set your own. Um, routine and most importantly avoid comparisons like I, I work in well-being now like I'm you know I've built up my social media enough that people follow my my well-being feeds especially on Instagram for example and uh, a lot of these well-being people uh, it's a business to them so what they do is they post a lot of uh, stories about themselves and like and it's all like a lot of it is to as my friend Carl would say happy clappy it's a bit too perfect and there was one woman the other day like, you know, I've done yoga, Pilates, I've done a bit of mindfulness and all that, but like, I don't want about it. Like, and, it, and she put a picture of her living room, and it's like, it's like she's just got a grand designs in or something. It's like, nobody has a house that neat. That's not real, it's not authentic. And then, then she put another um, comment on, and, and it was this like quote or something. It was quite good. I love a quote, you know me. But um, it was like, oh, something came to me in a dream last night no it didn't no it didn't don't make that up like that I, I saw that that did not come to you in a dream like you might have come to you in a shower or while you were sitting on the loo be honest be authentic because I see through all that like that's just me do you, do you think that's a barrier to men um, kind of dealing with mental health yes. so one of the things that um, particularly um this week in, in, in part of Monday Fat Challenges, sorry, as of next week in part of Monday Fat Challenge, but the award of, this award had gone out by then, was we wanted, we wanted guys to experience yoga. And one of the issues around yoga is it's seen very happy, clappy, very kind of, you know, chakras and all that kind of stuff. And it's not. Yoga's great. Yoga yoga's an amazing thing to do. Ross will tell you when we used to do a, a yoga session on a Wednesday morning with Joe Connor that it's probably the worst session that we had in the week. Oh, so hard. Yeah, it's rough. It, it's harder than you think. It's <laughs> like... It's, I, I equate it to... You ever watched um, SAS? Or the SAS thing on wins. Channel 4? Yeah. Where the... the they kind of put the put the cat the play the music in their ears and they've got the babies crying and all that stuff and it's that one seeing how long they can we can do it. But they put them in stress positions and I'm like, yeah, that's what yoga is to me. <laughs> Some of them positions where you're just using muscles that you're not used to using. Yes. It's it's crazy. Are we um last week uh, on a Wednesday, I did some yoga with the missus. And oh God, she's I hate her because she's so flexible. 
and it just looks for me. I think the this the, the stigma between men and women is um, I think women. I don't know if women are just naturally more flexible, and men. I mean, I can't even touch my toes. I don't know about you, gents. I can't even touch my toes. So to try yoga, yeah. <laughs> but to, to try yoga, it's like I, I, automatically I'm thinking. Now nah, I'm, I'm making up the excuses to say, "No, nah, I, I don't want to try this because it's 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 too hard." But like Stu said, ultimately it's abs. It's probably the best thing you can do for your for your core and your body. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing, and I think one of the one of the reasons that we chose that as an exercise as part of the challenge was because men typically don't, you know, stay clear of yoga, um, and it's all that kind of thing, kind of about like say about happy clapping and all that. And I think there's an element of that also to to men's mental health as well. As yeah, I'm glad you said that. I think men in general are very they like to stick to what they know and what's socially acceptable within the culture, you know, like lad culture and stuff like that. And um, yeah, what I try and do with talk about me, like we, I know yoga teachers and I know physios and I know people who do stuff like meditation. I would, what's the word I'm looking for? Not meditation, you're breathing. Um, not, mindfulness. No, no, not mindfulness, not meditation. I should know this word, it will be. I always get this word wrong. Um, not, I don't know, it'll come to me. But anyway, I'm trying to get those people in my network so that they can deliver kind of classes for my network. And, and I think that the way we position ourselves is in the middle ground. So like a kind of every man, like I'm trying to be like this person who's like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A conduit, good word, I'm really impressed with that. Like I, I'll show, I'll do it and I'll say, right, this is what you can get from yoga. Like you did it with your guy from the gym. And that way it convinces more people to try and open their mind to it. And it's exactly the same for mental health. So by doing the podcast where we've recorded the guys opening up, if people listen and they think, actually, that's not too much of a stretch. I think I could try that. And, you know, you only have to just dip your toes, don't you? It's like when you show up to Mandy Fat for the first time, you know, you probably, a lot of lads haven't run or done any exercise for ages and you just bit by bit get better, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is, uh, it is just little bite-sized pieces, I suppose, isn't it? But I think the big, um, the big obstacle, and we found that, you know, we do a lot on um, how we onboard players with Man V Fat and we, we're trying to work on the feelings that guys have to turn up for their first session and the kind of nervousness and, and what they might be feeling because we know that a lot of guys um, are very nervous um, when they first turn up and we try and work on that and we're trying to uh, be better at how we onboard players to try and deal with that and take that away as much as possible. Um, I suppose that's the same across the board, whether it be, like, say, your peer support groups or, you know, even going to the gym for the first time in a long time. Massively. I think your brain, so you go to the gym to work out your body, but what you do for your brain? And, you know, I think, like you said, what I say about men, it's just giving it, like, trying to get into their heads, you know, as a man, what, what would be the barrier for them, like you're trying to do? What would be the barrier for them showing up for the first time? What would be, and... It's hard because, like, with man be fat, I like what I offer. I know how good what I offer is, and the guys in the group can offer. I, I, I've, we've tried and tested it now. It's working. It's really, really good. The main problem is, is getting the word out to people. Like, that's the hardest thing. That's what keeps me up at night. I'm thinking, this is too good to just limit it to, like, 20-odd people. Like, we, I would say we have 10 in the group, but we could roll this out 
for different age groups, different demographics, you know, and, and you have to try and get in the head of the person who, who thinks, no, I'm not going to do that. So one of the things is, you know, keep, I try to keep my posts quite brief and I have to target when I put my social media posts out. You know, you'll know about all that. And it's because people naturally, I don't, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for? They're a bit worried about stepping outside their comfort zone. That, that's a, a thing and that men might suffer from. Yeah, even if your comfort zone is you're feeling miserable, it's that it's the nervousness of walking into. It's not the same, but it's like that. Like we said when we all first walked into the Man B Fat, and I, I did it on my own and joined, and it was still nerve wracking. Just that joining people, I suppose that's that's the thing about joining any group, isn't it? Absolutely, it's a process. I think it's bit by bit, like anything. You have to build it up. I think often. Uh, there's something behind something. So there, if there's um, I'm trying to use the right words, if there's like a, a trauma or something that's bothering them uh, from their past or whatever, that will be masked by a behaviour. Usually in men, it tends to be aggression uh, or it might be some kind of addiction, for example, drinking or gambling. Like Because there's something behind that, isn't there? Like, I'm not saying everybody's like that, but, it, you know, you think why do people do that and it's just again it's all like defense mechanisms isn't it and it can be very big men don't like being vulnerable like whereas you know it's more generally accepted in society that women can show vulnerability because that's more what we perceive as part of their characters but for men it's like in some groups of guys that is very 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 frowned upon and that's what we often call toxic masculinity isn't it and it's hard like it sometimes just to step away from certain groups. Like I've got mates who they're not like hard lads, they're not like tough lads or anything like that. But I couldn't open up in front of them. Like and some of the, you know, some of my lads are creative lads, but you know, I've gone you have to find a group or a place to go where you can open up and, and start to explore. Hi, Roman here. Thank you for listening to the Man V Fat Podcast. If you'd like this episode and want to hear more like them, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Hit subscribe and turn on your notifications to make sure you're always up to date. Is it a case of, and I really, really don't want to use this term, but I think we might be a good time to use it so we can kind of bust the myths around it. Um, and I think we're all probably around the same age. Um, and I think that a younger generation than us, the term safe space gets banded about a lot. It gets banded about probably from from people of our generation and generations that came before us in a quite a negative way. Do you think I don't that? Know what sa- I don't know what safe space means, mate. Yeah, I don't know what safe, what safe space means. Go on, Mike. Uh, I would say, yeah, for us, we use safe space, meaning that you're not going to get judged. Like, so obviously, uh, I think what Stu's kind of alluding to, the way I'm interpreting it, is that a lot of old people from our age or above, if you show kind of a bit of sensitivity, that's almost branded as being too PC, you know, like, and people are saying, like, you can't say anything nowadays about people getting offended. But the way I counteract that is say, just be kind and don't be a dick, you know, like, like all load of people started sharing this thing of a week about uh, the old guy who walked around his house and raised millions of pounds. I think that's absolutely brilliant. And I think he should be, he couldn't be praised enough in my book. I think he's a genuine hero. 
for what you know what he started there. But then some people took that and then started bashing that singer, was it Sam Smith or something, like about him being um, non-binary or whatever. I, I don't bother me. Don't bother me. I don't anything to me. And you're saying this guy's a hero and this guy's crying and he's a millionaire in his house. But then you're turning generations against each other, and it's like. Just don't be a dick and just be nice to people. Like, you know, you don't, you know, for me, just just be nice. I don't know, that, just that really bothered me, that thing. I think people yeah, there. I think I saw your post on Facebook about that. Yeah. Because um, it, it was about Sam Smith. Uh, was it, I think it was Sam Smith. About, yeah, yeah, like you're saying, he's million, how can he be miserable and crying in his million pound house? And that was it. That was the kind of subject, wasn't it? I think, I think, yeah. it, I think it was comp- um, also the comparing apples and oranges for me. The point they were trying to make was listen, Somebody's posted their heartfelt post, and then you're criticizing, you know, criticizing for it. Uh, have you got a short term memory? Do you not remember Caroline Flack? And I think they were, they were trying to basically, were trying to join it to that when it was that people were just make creating news, yeah. uh, comparing the apples and oranges when you shouldn't ever do that. Yeah, there was like two weeks be- between the incidents and what happened, it's obviously been whipped up to cause some kind of frenzy and people falling for that. So for social media can work both ways. There's this massive outpouring that can be such a massive positive, like raising 24 million for the NHS. I mean, that should be funded anyway by government. But uh, oh, the fact, yeah, the fact that, no, that, that shows the, the, the greatness of the British people. But then at the same time, you know, be kind, be kind, be kind. Don't then turn that on to somebody else. Like, you know, if, what if he went, what if that really got to him and, he, and Sam Smith went off and like killed himself or something? Like, he'd be all, oh, it's so sad, it's so sad. But don't, don't play your part in that. Because I think what you're saying about men before sometimes is don't play the sheep mentality. Sometimes people don't like to be the black sheep, the one who stands out of line. Well, I'm very sorry, but I, I can't help that in that I had mental health issues at quite a young age. So I was already the black sheep. You know, I had to deal with that and grow up with that. And like now it's more socially acceptable to come out about having a mental illness. But it wasn't 12, 15 years ago. And you have to I had to toughen up pretty quickly because of that. You know? It's, it's so very it's, it's really really true. I, and I saw that post and I was exactly on the same page as you, Mike. Um I think that be kind doesn't mean be kind to people who you like. Yeah, to be kind to everyone. Like, I'm a primary school teacher, Ross, you're a parent, and I'm a bit envious of people who've got kids at home because, like, I'd be bloody loving that now if I had the kids at home because, like, I know you're probably not, you're, you can take them, Mike, you can take them. But, um, <laughs> because, like, in reality, I've been countless, they've only missed 17 days of school. And when they get into summer term, they, do, they don't do much anyway, like, unless they're doing stats or whatever. But, like, that'd be great, like, Learning doesn't have to be in the classroom. They can be doing projects and stuff, and yeah, they'll miss the mates. And yeah, I feel sorry for the kids who in year eleven who've had to finish early. But this is an opportunity that we could turn into a positive. You know, let's let's referring to that story before about being kind. We can be better than that, and it is an individual thing. You've got to look at what you see. I think and make your own judgment call. Am I going to be a dick here, or am I going to do the right thing? If you don't have anything nice to say. Don't say anything at all. That's the way I was brought up. Yeah. One of the one of the biggest, I think, uh, I, I refer to it quite a bit. So one of my favourite ever podcast we've done was with Professor David Hughes, who was a sports psychologist. Absolutely amazing guy. Uh, and we've shared a couple of times via our socials. Now he's got a podcast series with Jake Humphreys, the presenter, where he talks to elite athletes and elite performers, whether it's like I say, athletes, I mean, the first one was Rio Ferdinand. 
And one of the biggest, and he has such amazing Roman, I'll tell you, his daughter was amazing. And yeah. I, could, I could have listened to him all day. The biggest takeaway I had from that, and this is a guy who is absolutely at the top of his game, he's dealing with absolutely elite athletes, top, top, you know, rugby players at the time, boxers, everything. And the biggest takeaway I had from that is he was, the exact words you just said, be kind, don't be a dick. And, and that's at the very, very top level. And I was listening recently to um, the interview, um, a guy who was quite, uh, who had done really well in business at quite a young age. Um, and it, his, the guy's whole, I'll, I'll try and dig it out. The guy's whole philosophy was that if you come and work for me, my number one um, thing that I'm looking for in anybody who, who I will employ is you're not a dick. That was his number one. The most he said that the, the first thing on the till is is this guy a dick or is this girl a dick? And that was his, that was his number one thing. Obviously, there's, there's all the factors to that. They have to be able to do the job. But yeah, um, and and that was Professor Hughes went into quite a lot about that, and it just triggered me into uh, into what the conversation we had with him. And the biggest takeaway was, you know, don't be a dick. Yeah, that's, it's just a simple message, but you say triggers there. Like, there are so many triggers, and obviously we're not interacting with each other as much now in, like you say, like Ross and face-to-face. So the triggers that we are seeing are online, and I think yeah, often when we we, we, we we comment quickly or we like or we will share something, I mean, I tend to not. I mean, I only have to use social media because of thought I make, but my, me personally, I don't share too many of my own things. But um, it's hard if we lash out and, and that's what they want, to get likes and engagement and spread these things. But, you know, there is so much positivity to come from this. And that's how, what I was saying before about limiting your, your news feeds and seeing the things that make you happy more and, like, you know, quotes or nothing Facebook's one that I, I had to learn to kind of step away from a little bit because I'd end up... Just it's just negativity. There's just so much negativity. Um, I I use it a lot because I'm I've not got a family. Here. They're all living in Spain. They're all all over the all over the world. So I put all pictures of me and the kids on it and stuff like that when I'm on days out. And it's all that kind of a thing. I tend not to. I used to. I, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I used to be like this fucking happened to me. Rah 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 rah. Because you're only going back over your Facebook memories. I'm like shit. Look at that. <laughs> Get him having a run. <laughs> so yeah, I I I've barely barely touched it. I say barely. I'm probably still on it a good twenty times a day or something. You know what I mean? But I'm not. It's probably ten seconds, and I go around bored of that. You know, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. TikTok on the other hand, I'm stuck. Uh-huh. Can't get off TikTok. <laughs> Have you done any challenges yet, Ross? Oh, my kids are constantly getting me to do TikTok challenges. Brilliant. Brilliant. Constantly. Brilliant. No, you're not having my username. <laughs> come on, come on. Full disclosure. Hell no. <laughs> Social media. Um, uh, it, it can be a very positive thing, but it also can be a very negative thing. Um, I I was a bit like you, Ross. I used to use it to rant mainly about football, if I'm honest, um, uh, for a long time. And I had to take a little step back. But I do have the odd political rant on there every now and again. And, and I do share a couple of things. But, it, you know, on the whole, I think at the moment, social media has been, been quite a positive thing. Um, during lockdown but then there's just that odd one post that people jump on like that Sam Smith post and and you know 
it's just it's hard, isn't it? To um, I would just say, just if you feel like you've got to share something that's slightly negative, take five minutes, go for a brew. If you still want to share it when you come back, share it. Take a breath. Yeah, I think we need more, like you say, positive news stories, like the clapping for carers. That's brilliant. You know, my best mate's a doctor working in London A and E. Doctor, you know, he's on the front line, and I don't speak to him that often. And, and so I'm very happy to do that. And like, I don't know, just happy news. I follow this thing called Happy Newspaper on, like, I get yeah, like four times a year, and it's just happy stories about like all around the world, just random stories. But it's good. It just fills you with a bit of positivity, and we need to be putting up positive role models out there um, rather than spending our time on negative stories. And when I say that, I'm not like ordering people to do that. I'm saying that also, you know, for myself, but we can be creative on social media. You know, like I'm trying to put content out. You guys are trying to create content. That's being creative on social media. Like, I think I've got a good quote for you. I always have a quote, don't I? The best, yeah. use, the best use of imagination is creativity. The worst use of imagination is anxiety. <laughs> I'll leave that with you. Yeah, I like that one. I like that. Who's, I that, who's that attributed to, mate? Uh, well, it's attributed to me now. No, um, <laughs> I've a big thing about crediting uh, quotes on Facebook. But there is one that I've been using recently for everything I do. Uh, and because I worry about a bit of, bit of a perfectionist me for, because people who have, uh, what are the word I'm looking for? I've, high, I've got quite high functioning anxiety. I'm not saying I'm intelligent, just high functioning anxiety. And um, done is better than perfect. Because I'll overthink it until the cows come home. But sometimes you've just got to just do it. Like, get it out there. Because there's people out there who, who, who are just doing it. And, like, you just do it. Like, with anything, done is better than perfect. You know, showing up, like, is massive, isn't it? Like, those guys coming in for that first weigh-in or whatever, just get go in the room and, like, just do it. And then it'll get, you know, you'll get your bearings after that. For, for, for with that, and a, a particular coach's point of view is uh, we're always looking for that. You know, you don't have to come and lose weight every single week, but be here every single week because that's half the issue. Yeah. Um, I know that particularly when we, we spoke to uh, James Connor in, in, in a previous podcast, he was like, I don't care whether you're, you're not going to go into the gym and, and you know, every workout you're going to do is going to be amazing, but just turn up. Just turn up, and I'm a big believer in that. Absolutely, like I, I mean, I went for a run tonight. Like I, I, I was doing some workouts at home. Like I've since I've left and be fat, like I, I probably put weight on, but like I've also got a lot stronger. I can do ten perfect press ups now. Like I couldn't do yeah. that. Yeah, like oh, you say that, but I probably look like I'm really drunk while I'm doing them. But uh, like, <laughs> no, but like it, I just just do something like a, a bit. It's like anything for self care. Just do something that you, everyone knows what's good for them and what's bad for them. Everyone does. Like, unless you've not got that capacity to make that decision. Like, deep down, you do know you're good for you. Like, and, you know, we also need to, um, you know, have a blowout from time to time as well. So, like, you know, it's, it's a, I think people are putting a lot of pressure on themselves in lockdown to be too perfect and get everything done and, like, and, and, and relaunch their lives and stuff like that. But you just get through, just get through little bits. That, you know, do, done is better than perfect. I like that I'm going to stick to that because I've normally tried to be a perfectionist I think that's what drives me crazy so I think done I like that done is better than perfect yeah that, I'm trying to take that approach to our podcast which actually I said that to the guys last night before we recorded the session remember these guys have consented to be in the session and they're like being quite open about their 
I always say is don't be drinking any beers in the session because that, you know, in, in terms of integrity and stuff like that, you know, you don't want to be under the influence of something when you're talking about mental health because it, it, it might skewer you or you might not be the best listener or as respectful as you can be. But the Sunday one, I, I was, I had a really, like Stu said before, like three, four good days, I had a proper stinker on Sunday. I just woke up. I wasn't a nice person to be around. I, I, I might have broken my own rule about don't be a dick. And then I got to uh, I got to the session, and everyone was dead lethargic. And you know what it was? It was pissing me off. But as a facilitator, you know, I kept my um, professionalism. But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to get on this. And I started ranting about something like when I was in the supermarket or something. And then another guy started ranting. And another guy started ranting. And it was like we all we all kind of found common ground in that session. Because everyone was kind of feeling the same, and it was brilliant. Do you think after them sessions, then that release? Uh, so you know, you're ranting, and yeah. that that release is done. And what's happened? What really? What's happened is they've not had a chance to manifest then to be exerted somewhere else. Absolutely, hundred percent. That's what I call early intervention. So, you know, what we're doing here is people are having severe mental breakdowns. Right? They'll be getting support by you know NHS and like frontline support whereas people who are having regular opportunities to get stuff off their chest that's just exercising their mental health isn't it so it prevents you men will bottle up a feeling men will suppress a feeling that they don't think it should be shown by a man like if you suppress emotion you're holding on to that emotion where's it going to go it's going to stay in you and it's going to come out you're going to do something that you're probably not proud of why not just just let out a bit of steam like Something's annoying, like you know, as long as you don't say, as long as you're not a dick, you don't say anything like that, you know, massively inappropriate. Like, people are not going to like treat you badly, they're going to support you, listen to you, and show you that respect. Mm. Do you think with, with mental health, do you think people so, say, like somebody coming to Man B Fat and yeah. they've, they've been introduced to Man B Fat quite quickly, um. Do you think you could recognise having a mental health issue too early? As in like, right, oh, I think, oh, I think I've got this. Oh, I'll go to the group, whatever. Or do you think it's a good thing, the admittance of, you know, I've got a mental health issue? A bit like saying you've got a cold and then you get, you've, and no, I've not, I've got COVID. That kind of a thing. Yeah. Oh, you mean? Well, no, because yeah, it could, it could be, it could be actually deeper than than you actually. Ever no, I mean, had. I mean, from a mental health point of view, that kind of it's the start of a something. Is it? I oh, I see trying what to, you're trying to say. Yeah, what you mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just just trying to get what you were asking. That was all sort of. Yeah, I think self awareness, isn't it? I think if you're aware that something is going on, it doesn't mean that you've got a mental health issue. I know they say one in four, right? So one in four people probably have some form of mental health issue. But um, like, stop stop stealing questions to my answer my quiz quiz later. You. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I'm just making note of that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how many people have got a mental health issue. There's nothing wrong with learning that about yourself. Like uh, eventually, once I've grown this, uh, say company, it's not a charity. It's not. It's a community interest company. We want to get in schools with kids and do that and be like, look, how are you feeling? Why are you feeling like that? Just as simple as that. And uh, and I think when we check in, we do our emotion words because. Well, as soon as you've said that emotion, if it's a here and now feeling, you're starting to scan yourself and say, this is how I'm feeling. And like, if you, if you notice, like Roman said, a, a feeling coming up again and again and again. So, for example, in men, let's say frustration. Yeah, that would be a really common one. 
right? Why are you getting and then it's just saying like why are you getting that way? So you, you, you're delving in and thinking, you know, you might have to have therapy. You just be like, I wonder why I'm getting frustrated. And then as soon as you start to peel back those layers, you can kind of see why. And then is there any patterns of behavior? And then is there any, what we call unhelpful thinking patterns, which I'll share with you guys. So you can put it on your page because there's loads of unhelpful thinking patterns that people have and they don't always acknowledge. This year, Man V Fat is raising money for Shooting Stars Children's Hospice, who due to COVID-19 are having to stop providing end-of-life and emergency respite for so many families who are still relying on them during this difficult and challenging time. If you'd like to find out more information about this amazing charity, then head over to manvfat.org to find out more. I want to just talk a little bit about, so we mentioned there, sorry to ruin the quiz here, um, Ross, but we mentioned that one in four people suffer from from mental health issues. What can we do and, uh, to look after ourselves, self-care, uh, to be almost preemptive to developing mental health issues? Um, okay. Um, probably what your GP would say. Okay. diet yeah. and then things that you can control like we mentioned before about limiting the triggers and uh, not spending too much time on social media or like any like reducing stress in as many ways as possible really that would be my advice because when I don't exercise and I overuse social media and I'm not eating great that can be contributing factors for me so let's talk about self-care it's a big one, isn't it? You know, I mean, what what can we do for ourselves that's just about ourselves? What I want to do is I want to just go around the four of us and I want to just ask that how would you practice self-care? We'll start with you first, Mike. Yeah, um, for me, I like to be creative and um, engage my creative brain. I like reading. Um, I try to balance out how much stuff I'm reading at mental health versus just like a normal fiction book. Um, I like dancing around in the kitchen, listening to music. I'm quite actively to get my energy going. Um, yeah, just getting outside, using my allotted time outside is important for me as well, things like that. Rob? Sorry, I've just got images of uh, uh, him dancing around the kitchen now. Oh, yeah. Um do you know what? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't even have to make it COVID-related, mate. It doesn't even have to be how we do it during lockdown. Just in general, how how would you about what's what's important to you um, to implement some self-care? What would you do? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm to, to a point where I've had a, I've been thinking about this today because of the way I've been feeling, um, and I just I, I'm like, what? What do I? I mean, I, I, I like cooking, but. You can't, all I want to do is cook, but then I'll just end up eating it. Or cooking relaxes me at the end of the day, but again, it stresses me at the same time. But I like learning, but again, it's a mental strain learning. So I'm stuck. I, I generally, I generally have been thinking long and hard since the podcast, and I'm, I'm stuck. So, what about watching a film or? This is that something you would do on your own, or because I, 
I'm trying to, I think, I don't know if you guys can give me some suggestions because I'm sat at my desk all day. It's self-care though, isn't it, Ron? Well, I know, but I'm in front of screens all day. I don't, when I'm winding down at night, I don't want to watch TV anymore. I mean, I'll watch, I'll watch an episode of QI or something like that because I think that program's fantastic. But I don't, I mean, I start, I'm start, again, I've started to read at night. But other than that, if you can find me to do something that's not reading, that's a bit well, manual, as I want to put it, that's that to me would be the perfect self-care, but I just don't know. I just don't I tried know. About, tried something like um, an instrument, learning a learning a skill. She's just got a guitar, so I could, that's... Jen's just got a guitar. Jen's got a guitar, sorry, shoot. Uh, yeah, do you know what? I'll take you up on that, Ross, and I'll I'll play a jingle on the podcast in a few weeks. A live jingle. I've, I've got you. I've, I've got us covered. Look. What's he got? His triangle or something. It's, oh, look at that. Can you swear? That's about, no, I just have it there to look cool. How <laughs> do you love yourself, <laughs> mate? Seriously, it was like a. It was. I think it was like fifty quid on a. This. This was. Um, a, a drunken Amazon Black Friday buy, and I it was like Christmas because I didn't know what was coming in the post when I when I when I got all these parcels, um, and I tried it for a bit, and then I got calluses on my fingers and decided that's really hard. So I I found it really difficult. What do you do for self care, Ross? Um, I was just thinking about that, um, and. I when I've had a really kind of stressful day, I I genuinely like going on my PC and playing it, playing games for a little half hour. Um, what I've had to do though is step away from like multiplayer ones where I'm playing against other people or stuff like that because I get really frustrated when I'm not doing very well. So you play, I play some kind of a single player game where well, I don't know, like a city builder or a zoo builder or something like that, whatever it is, something that's no, it's just a little challenge and have that and it, I just kind of I, I what was the word I was looking for a bit of escapism yeah. that's what I, I tend to do um, just forget about everything for an hour and then I'm back Jurassic Park. that's basically mine Jurassic Park Evolution mate play it it's a great game if you like building things <laughs> honestly it's a great game you can get in the Jeep as well and drive into all the the, the pens with all the uh, and stuff. brilliant addictive though yeah, the, the the hour does seem to trickle over a little bit sometimes, though, doesn't it? What's yours, Stu? So, um, I, I think I probably practice mine and don't realise it. Um, uh, you know what I like, love to do? This is going to sound really, well, might be perceived to be sounding really weird. Uh, I like to go and eat on my own. And just and just watch the world go by. So I'll go into a cafe, get something to eat, some lunch, and just take an hour and just people watch. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. I I, I did the same thing on on Sunday. The weather was nice this weekend, right? Yeah. And um, I I I went out and just lay on the ground on the ground, and I said to Claire, I said, "Do you know? I can't remember the last time I did nothing." Sure, you talk about you do nothing all the time. You sit there watching it was just a reason for her to have a whinge at me so I think she I'm, could I'm sure she'll love that impression of her by the way <laughs> <laughs> I've just I've just got a middle finger from the other side of the kitchen um, so 
And I, I went, no, it shouldn't. Yeah, you do. You're doing all this different things. And, and I was like, no. So when was the last time I just lay and did nothing? I mean, don't not looking at my phone, not watching TV, not looking at a tablet, not reading a book, not doing anything, just lying in the garden doing jack. And it, do you know what? It was lovely. I got bored after about 15, 20 minutes, to be fair, but it was still quite nice just, just doing nothing. So I kind of get that people watching thing. I was yeah. just watching clouds. That's what I was watching, just relaxing. I'll tell you one thing I did do on Sunday, uh, which I found really relaxing, was uh, I'd walk around Heatherow Park um, with my camera and I just started breaking it out with uh, doing a bit of filming. And I, I just, I just, I just really enjoyed just filming just nature and stuff. I was actually filming Jen, Jen walking as she was walking down the path. I was filming like I was a stalking, stalker from the first person. Um, and I just thought, I, I don't do enough of this. And I really, I really enjoyed it. But then it's trying to do it as much as I can. Not, 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 not stalking my girlfriend. I don't want to start my girlfriend all the time. But yeah. Uh, I know a really good one that um, somebody who, who we I know plays Mammy Fat Football, who I know uh, Mike knows as well, um, and he has got a, uh, a monthly cinema pass, and he goes and watches two films back to back once a week. Yeah, he's an, I think it's an amazing, amazing thing to do. It's funny, cinema for me is one of the only things I can do, escaping to switch off completely. Is that how often now are we multitasking all the time? Like we're watching a movie at home, we've got that phone, aren't we? Like we're having our dinner on our phone, or we're playing, I'm playing, I don't know, Championship Manager, I'm on my phone and I'm doing my emails or whatever at the same time. Like going to the cinema, I like because you, I switch my phone off, I'm one of those people who properly switch my phone off. And, and like I just and when that guy told me about that and he used to come to our meetings after and he'd be very very chilled because he'd just watched two movies back to back on his own and like the only time randomly that I ever went to cinema on my own in my life was I just had a but that's it to turn that situation into a good story I just had a, a breakdown at work it's about five years ago when I had a pro- just before I had a proper breakdown I got sent home from work and I went, I was like, oh, we could have got an half day. So I went to Wotherspoons and half a chicken and then went to watch uh, The Martian or something at the cinema. And it was brilliant. It completely switched off and I was in the middle of a mental health crisis at that time. But I completely switched off for two hours and it, I, I wasn't thinking about any of the other stuff that was going on. There's a bit of respite, really. And we don't do enough of that, do we? No. I think no. that might be something I might take up. I think it's well worth the money. So if you're going to go and watch a couple of films a week, well, I was I, I said the same thing to to Claire at the weekend because, like, say, if I'm working, I've got an hour trip to work, an hour trip to back. If I'm we're going in the office, so I I leave the house at about what ten to seven. I get home at half six, quarter to seven at night. I come in if or when I am exercising. I'd walk through the door, and that's why I walk through the door and I exercise instantly. Um, just, I literally strip off and just start working out in the kitchen. That's generally what I end up doing. Otherwise, as soon as I sit on that couch, it doesn't happen. But then I've done that. Then you make tea. And next thing you know, by the time you've got tea, it's like eight o'clock and I'm putting the kids to bed, put the kids to bed, and then I'm tired and I go around going to bed and then I'm starting work again the next day. And that that cycle, that rat race, my mum always just calls it like the rat race, is it's it just never ends. It just doesn't end. Whereas like, 
having those, that's why I think that outside, that's one of the bonuses for me for COVID is the fact that I am locked in at home. My kids, the kids and family are still here. I can have those little 30 second conversations with them throughout the day, which is nice. It's nice having those little interactions. Um, whereas Claire, Claire's a teacher. Um, and so I can't, well, um, Michael, no, you can't, you can't text her and just go, where did you put this or where's the shopping or what do I need to get this from the for a bit of milk? Cause you can't answer a phone. Um, so yeah, there's, there's all little daft little things like that that I've, I've taken as bonuses and, and, and it kind of cheered me up a little bit looking at it that way. And I was like, I'm spending more time with my family. I'm seeing them more. Um, did just these things like that. that I, I kind of took that I was taking for granted at the beginning of it all. Um, but yeah, I had to, I had to change the way I was looking on life rather than it being a, a negative was a, let's, let's do something positive with it. So, and I think that's down to the challenge, Stu. Think on the other side of this, that that whole rat race thing. Do you think it'll change? Yeah, I do. I hope so. Um, I think people, like I say, are appreciating the little things more. And, and I think we're moving away from that social mask, social status, that what we're worth something in life if we work for a certain amount of hours and run ourselves into the ground. No, thank you. You know, people are proving now that they can work remotely from home. And a lot of people, like my wife has to commute, probably three hours of her day is gone commuting to work and back. And that's probably the main source of stress in her life. And it's like, she's not having that now. Like, you know, and it's like, uh, she, she won't like going back to work like that. You know, I think she's actually probably working harder from home and be winding her up, to be honest. But, um, you know, things like that, isn't it? We, I really hope so. I really hope that we reevaluate what's important to us. Yeah, my MD said that. He said, do I really need to be paying for an expensive office? I've proved that we can all work from home. I'm like, <laughs> Studies show you're more productive because what happens when you go and work in an office is you get questions all the time so particularly you know you have someone come up you know such and such and what about this and it, it's stuff that they don't, you don't really need to answer it's stuff that people could find the answer um, just off their own back if you weren't in the office they would just they would just find the answer to that that problem um, and I think that studies show that you actually um, work far more productively working from not everybody but you know on the whole people work far more productively when working from home it's that whole Tim Ferriss four-hour work week. Have you, has anyone ever read that book? No. So it's, it's a really good book. Tim Ferriss is a very successful businessman. Um, and he wrote a book called The Four-Hour Work Week. And it's basically the whole premise of the book is prove to your boss that you can work from anywhere and your life will become so much more rich. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole premise of the book is prove to your boss that you can work anywhere in the world. It's an amazing book. Really, really good. Recommend to anyone, yeah. Thank you for listening to the Man Be Fat podcast. My name's Michael Richard. Like most men who have joined, I have my own story to tell. And if you want to come on and share your story on the Man Be Fat podcast, just send them a message via email, podcast at manbefat.com. You can also find them on Twitter, Facebook, and on Instagram at, at manbefatpod. And hopefully... You'll see me again and follow me at Talk About It, mate. Things, but then soon, you know how how quick will it just switch back to normal? I don't, I don't know.
We don't know. Like I say, we don't know. And these things, these things like this, you know, they're world-changing events, aren't they? Um, and I think we don't really see that. We won't see that until, you know, five years after the event as such. Ross, what have you got for us? Oh, and you've just answered them all. Done. There we go. Well, I've, I had a bit of a Google and it was doing like a, a mental health quiz because it was off. We we did the uh, Man V Fat um, First Aid Mental Health First Aid course, didn't we? The start of it. It was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and one thing that Mike mentioned earlier on was just spotting different things and how people are. And I saw my daughter in a few of them, which was kind of scary for me. Um, like always being a bit self-deprecating um, and just I'm not good enough or I can't do that that kind of a thing and I'm always I've always been really like you need to do this you can do it come on you push her and her and but she still still does it um, so that was something that I took from that course to be fair so thanks to that it was it was really good I enjoyed it um, so part- Listen, just just give me a bit of, get a bit of background on that so the plan the plan with that is that we want to get as many of our uh, coaches and particularly player facilitators on these courses as possible so that we all always have someone at a session who has, has taken that mental health first aid course and can you know help and signpost as best as best we can should lads be struggling what will also come with that is is, is the other side of of, of the lockdown um, as part of guys um, subscription to man v fat football will be access to some online um, mental health um kind of uh, programs so it's it's a company called I don't even know whether I should be saying this to be fair but it's a company called Silver Cloud who do a lot online they've got a lot of online um, uh, sessions uh, online courses and stuff like that around mental health and everybody who's, who's a member of Manfrat Football well, if that's part of their subscription that they'll be able to get on there and, and take some uh, and, and complete some sections online so anyway Excellent. Just, I was going to say just before then, just one last thing for uh, Mike. Um, in regards to, like you say, the, the studios plugged uh, the website and studios also, um, and obviously Mike's holding a group as well. So I'm just going to liken this to being overweight and being fat, right? Yeah. So we've, we've said to people or our mates or whatever, people we know, it's always a taboo to say, you need to lose weight, mate. You need to, you know, you're a bit fat. You need to lose weight. You wouldn't really go go to me and say, say that, even though you, you need you feel that they need to. You're trying to all you're trying to do is help them uh, mm-hmm. in their health. Putting that over to a mental health issue. If you spot a mental health issue, you can't really go up to your friend and go, "I think you've got a mental health problem." Can you? Or is there any point where you can actually help somebody like that? Good question. <laughs> um, I think. The kind of general way people see it is, you know, you ask someone if they're okay and then they'll say they're fine and then you ask them if they're okay again and then there might be, you know, I mean, it's hard. Like, as soon as we start using language, like, you, you need it to do this, you should be doing this. That, for me, I'd always switch off if someone said that to me. And uh, you could say out of concern, like, I've noticed this about you. Um, you know, would you like me to help you in some way or less like you might have learned this on the mental health course often if it's in the workplace you'd be like oh do you want to have a sit down and have a little cup of tea and a little chat and you create conditions where somebody is 
is comfortable to open up. And, and a big part of um, any kind of mental health first aid or being a good advocate is what Sue said. A lot of it's just signposting. You know, if you're not like, you don't have to be excessively qualified to to say, oh, I can help you um, make an appointment with your GP or I can help you find the appropriate service that you need. And and it's that's very gentle. And if you notice the wording I'm using, it's not like, you need to do that. I think you should do that. And it's not alarming them even by saying like, I'm massively concerned. You might be, but if you exude the calm person and they're more likely to, to rely on you and let you in, I think. Oh, good, good. Because it is always hard to just to say like, yeah, listen, mate, you you really do. I think you go, my, my mate's got a group called Talk About It, mate. You should go there. Like, that's not, that's not how you're going to approach it, are you? At all. It's a difficult one because like, you know, we say we have a products. It's not the kind of thing that I can just go around and be like, oh yeah, look at what I'm doing. Like it's very, very hard to get people to come in. You know, it would be easier if I was a window cleaner and be like, everyone knows what you do. Like, and everybody needs your services. Well, everybody should really, you know, if you you had a gym, people would have no problem saying, come to my gym. But like, why is when it's mental health, there's still a taboo, there's still a stigma, but it is getting less and less all the time, isn't it? Is it a bit like um, a checkup when you go and take your car for an MOT, that kind of a thing? Is that is that one way analogy of looking at it to a point? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could. I, I as a facilitator, I mean, I never pro people, but I'm always looking out as a, as a trainee counsellor. Is what are the feeling words people are saying? So, like, men are brilliant at this. We could talk for ages and ages. My dad's a perfect example. But what's he actually saying? What's he, where's, the, where's, the, where's, the, where's the emotion? Where's the emotion? Right, you're, you're frustrated, you're annoyed, you're lonely, you know, like, and then the, the what's behind that? But it's difficult, isn't it? But like, if you went to GP, they'd be like, what's, what symptoms are you having? You know? And it might be as a friend or an advocate to kind of help the person identify how it's affecting them. Like, how are you feeling at the moment and what's that doing to you? Okay. Ross Hunter, hit me with some questionary. So, um, in honour of Mike being on today, I thought I'd take it a little bit different away from the weight loss and look at like a mental health quiz. So you've probably had about 25 of the answers already. They say, no, I'm joking. It's only 15 questions. Um, again, not my questions. I'm only reading them. Uh, question one, how many people in the UK experience a mental health problem every year? One in eight, one in four, one in two. I definitely got that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't don't know how you possibly got that. <laughs> so what's your answers? One in four. Oh, there we go. Yeah, one in four. <laughs> <laughs> Could be one in four. Um, which of these is a common symptom of schizophrenia? Violent behaviour, split personality, or hallucinations and delusions? You've done the course more recently than me. This is going to be <laughs> Can I can I can I say I think it's all three. It's a common symptom. Yeah, that sounds like it would be. Rom, can I also say that? 
<laughs> no, wait, wait. It was violent behavior, split personality, and hallucinations and delusions. I would say hallucinations and delusions. Well, I, I was, I was going to go more with violent behavior, but then I thought, well, split personality kind of things. It's, I was split personality. I'll go with. Well done, Mike. Hallucinations and delusions. Oh, God, I've got my expectations <laughs> Question three. What proportion of people with severe mental health problems have been victims of crime in the previous year? What proportion of p- people with severe mental health problems have been victims of crime in the previous year? 28, 12, 45. All percentages. 45. I'm going to go middle road. I'm going to go 28. Yeah, I'm going to go 28. I would have gone 28. Uh, And it's 45. Well done, Mike. (laughs) People people with mental health issues are um, potentially violent, but that's actually a myth because they're more likely to be victims of crime and be victims of violence themselves. Excellent. Question four. What proportion of people with mental health problems experience stigma? 50, 10, 90%. What proportion of people with mental health problems experience stigma? I'd be going, I've not, I've not got the answers. It's just a question that when I pop a click on it, it comes up. I'd be saying it's 90, personally. I'll be going 90 as well. I'd be going 90. Let's go high, 90. Correct. Well done. Uh, question five. How many people experience suicidal thoughts throughout their lifetime? 2%, 17%, or 33? It's got to be a th- 33. It's got to be a third. Yeah, I'd say one in three. Yeah, I'd go 17%. Not quite. The answer 17%. That's quite. I thought it would have been higher than that. Which country prime minister, what? Which country prime minister was re elected in 2001 after publicly taking time off for depression? That's interesting. Poland, Norway, or Mexico? Norway. I'd imagine a Scandinavian country. Yeah, Norway. I'd have gone Norway. Rum. See, I've all been nice. I want to go to Norway, so I'm just going to... What was, what was the other one? Poland. Oh, I'm just going to go Poland. Poland, Poland, Nor- Poland, Norway, Mexico. Poland. It was Norway. Uh, Norwegian Prime Minister. Here we go. Excuse my... The Kelds... Kelds... Yeah, <laughs> yes, it was Norway. It was Norway. Yeah, in 1998. <laughs> you can Google answer if you want. I'm not reading that. Apologies. No, no way. No way. Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. What proportion of people with mental health problems believe that workplace stress contributed to their illness? One fifth, two thirds, one third. One third. <laughs> Oh, I want to go high, but I think yeah, it sounds like an even split. It's either work, family, or it's got to be something else. So it's one third. Answers two thirds. Two thirds of people wow. believe uh, believe that workplace oh. stress contributes to that. Is it other people that cause that? Now we're not going to work. We're <laughs> How long do the majority of people with a mental health problem wait before telling their closest family and friends about it? Two months, over a year, seven months. Middle, middle, middle. Seven months, okay. I'm going to say over a year. I'll go with over a year as well, just because I think you need that kind of a yearly plan to say, well, it's a year now and I've seen something. 
The answer on here is correct. It's over a year. A time to change survey or a time to change survey showed that six percent of people with mental health problems waited over a year to tell the people closest. Uh, which of these UK Prime Ministers experienced mental health problems? Winston Churchill, Gordon Brown, Maggie Thatcher. I thought Churchill. Church. I thought Churchill did. I thought it was Churchill. Yeah. Probably. He had a lot of problems to deal with, didn't he? Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Gordon Brown. It was Churchill. Lived with depression that he described as his black dog. Which is the best description of depression. If you Google the black dog for an animation, it's the best description of depression I've ever seen. Okay, I'll have a look at that. Ten, uh, what proportion of people with mental health problems say the stigma they faced has made them want to give up on life? Young people. 26, 52 or 6%. I really don't want this answer to be high. I think it is. I think it's so prevalent in young people now. I think it is a 52, but I hope I'm wrong. I wouldn't say the lowest one, 6%. percent just in the middle of the road then, just again, in a bit more of it. Rom went middle of the road, Rom's around. It's 26%. That's still, That's still one high. In... That's still one in four. That's mad, isn't it? I want to... Got to catch it early, catch it before they before the 18th birthday. But most mental health issues take root when they're younger, and that's why, as the education improves for younger people, hopefully they can put things in place to deal with do it. Do you think things are put in place properly rather than just safeguarding kids to mollycoddle, or do you think it's now becoming there's something else we need to do for these kids? I don't think it's prioritised, but. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I also think we're probably better in a lot of other countries, but it's a very difficult one. And teachers, when your teacher's got a big class with children, like how can you effectively do all these other targets and then also make sure their mental health is okay? Because a lot of the mental health will come from the systems and making seven-year-olds do tests which are brutal and make them cry. Like, it's disgusting. I've seen it and, like, I feel, I feel horrible for them giving them these tests, you know, especially those year yeah. twos. Awkward. Do they, do they, do you see my, sorry, I know you obviously we're in the middle of a quiz, but do, do you see that, um, was it ever having, you know, in, in schools, counselling sessions, a standard across the board or? Yeah, I think it's going that way. They're trying to, well, there's talk of training a lot of mental health workers to go in schools, but, you know, how, how much can you believe like these promises that come through uh, obviously I'll be involved myself hopefully one day even though I probably don't want to specialise in children's mental health but uh, yeah I think we're moving in that di- right direction but I think what we need to develop is what's called an emotional literacy and it's children being comfortable talking about their feelings and showing that they acknowledge those feelings so that they can do something about it and it, it comes through quicker we notice it earlier, but the best charity for that is called Place to Be. Place to Be. Yeah. Another subject to uh, to to talk about that because he could go on quite a lot about you know children's mental health and and growing up like that because uh, it's obviously where you start when you start tackling it because there's a lot of blame game. The parents, the teachers are blaming each other and things like that. So so yeah. Anyway, Ross. Question eleven. Before the Mental Health Discrimination Act was signed into law in 2013, what were some people with mental health problems prohibited from doing? Serving as an MP, being a psychologist, or representing Britain at the Olympics? 
2013. <laughs> I've, I've got to, I've got to say, I'm representing the, the uh, Britain at the Olympics. MP. I'm a psychologist. I like how you just all split in all the way through. So one of you's right. I quite like that. We can celebrate something. Uh, it was serve as an MP. Uh, before 2013, people who had been sectioned for more than six months were not eligible to be elected as, as a member of parliament. There you go. Weird. Considering that obviously one of the answers was Christian Churchill. <laughs> I don't think he was sectioned. Uh, what proportion of people with mental health problems reported stigma affecting their friendships? 15%, 65, 44. 65. I think so. Yeah, I think so. 65. Yeah, 65%. Sorry, Rama, I cut you off there. Well, I was, I was actually going to go 44, but I would have been wrong. Uh, 13, which of these statements is most accurate? People with OCD just like things to be clean and tidy. Everyone is a little bit OCD. People with OCD experience intrusive obsessional thoughts and are often followed by repetitive compulsions. Did someone trump them? <laughs> I heard this. It's probably yeah. my chair, mate. I'm, I'm going I'm to go with those. It's got to be because it's a long one, isn't it? Yeah. The last one, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was the last one. I'm not reading it again. It was too long of a sentence. So when someone so, says, oh, I've got a bit of OCD, and I'm like, nah, I'm not yet. That's actually really, really not helpful and it can really trigger people with OCD. And I'm learning, I'm learning myself from Twitter a lot. People put TW at the beginning of a tweet. It means trigger warning. So if you're going to mention anything about suicide, people with suicide can be triggered or uh, eating disorders or things like that. But yeah, when we use OCD as, a, as an adjective, like I'm a bit OCD or whatever, it, it makes light of people. It's actually quite a tough condition. So you shouldn't actually say that. Well, yeah, it's well, but we're all learning, aren't we? Even two years ago, I would say it, you know, but I'm, I'm not bitter about being, not wrong about it and not too precious, but I'm, I, I do question how I use it. It's like saying committed suicide. It's something I avoid. I'd say take their own life. Yeah, I learned about that on the quizzes, on the, um, the course as well. <coughs> Is that the next question? <laughs> I, think, I think when someone says, I'll oh, get a bit of OCD in me, i be like, no, you're not, mate. You're just anal. That's what I'll say. But you ask him for any 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 uh, any chance to use the phrase in the world for a month from Yes, Stuart. Hey Mike, I just I know I'll be honest, I don't know how this is doing. Hey Mike, I've just realised you are the first person to technically be on this podcast three times, so you've got your hat trick. Because you were on the fit. Hey, I, I specialised yeah. in them for many years. That's very because true. We, we, we got realize. you at um, the festival. Tournament, yeah. Uh, and then we got you in the changing rooms. That sounds really bad. We got you in the changing rooms. <laughs> Is that what made you think about it with your last statement? <laughs> How your mind worked and then you went from that wording to no, then talking uh, about uh, being with him in the changing rooms. And now your wife just kicked you out of the living room. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's your third time, so yeah, hat trick. Well, we'll have to do something well with like soccer. Yeah. We'll have to get, we'll have to get you. Yeah, you have to get a hat trick. It's all that I wanted. You gave me my big break, guys. What can I say? <laughs> Last two questions then. The incidents or the incident or incidents, sorry, the incidence of depression in minority ethnic groups has been found to be much higher than in the white population 20, 60, or 40 percent. Say that one again. The 
incidence of depression in minority ethnic groups has been found to be much higher than in the white population. That doesn't. Twenty forty percent. Forty. Yeah, I'll go with forty. Go on, I'll go sixty. Sixty is correct. What's really unnerving is these numbers are all high. Yeah. Uh, Last one then. What proportion of young people with mental health problems say that a fear of stigma has stopped them from applying for a job? 57, 76 or 29%? 57. I'm going to go high on this one. I'm going to go for the 76. Oh, I, I absolutely hope it's not 76%. Well, I'm going to go to 26. I'm going to go to 21 because I hope one in third. I well done, Mike. 57%. Still, that's still over half. Half. That's still over half, yeah. That's still too much. Why we're discrediting people, like, you know, a mental health condition, for example, a diagnosed one, anxiety. Like that's you know, like you, you couldn't really tell unless you knew the person really well. Or like you walk past them on the street, you're like they've got anxiety. Like it's often a very hidden thing. Like and you go about your normal everyday life, and it's like if that's we're discrediting people for things like that, then you know I got diagnosed with depression at eighteen, and I went for a job interview in an estate agent after I quit uni. And like I just put myself back together essentially. And obviously I didn't get the job because I put I had depression on the CV. So then I lied for years. Didn't tell anybody I had and like, it's because back then, in what, 2004, like, as soon as you see that, you're like, oh, this guy's going to be dead gloomy. And you wouldn't have even known with me. It's, I... That's another thing that just just pulling you up on that because I I go and um, obviously do speeches to partnerships and um, community trusts. So talking about uh, mental health trusts, um, and I have to, I've had to really watch my language when I'm walking in because I literally what you started that sentence was then was it's crazy, isn't it? And I I I did it. I said, do you know what? Your parking your car parking area is absolutely mental, and the room just went silent, and I was like, oh okay. Uh, but it's that kind of that rephrasing of, of conversation was quite um, it would that to me was just general conversation and general peace or general words um, so that's why I just I just, I pull, just throw that in there as well it's a bit like like when you said about committed suicide it's, it's a different term isn't it it's the way different changes we're all learning aren't we with our um, what's the uh, terminology we're all learning and it's like we will make mistakes but if you hold your hands up and be like oh I think you know like actually, I think that you can get out of it quite quickly as long as you don't but some people they, they dig their heels in and be like no I'm not changing the way I see the world's gone my everything's PC you can't say everything these days it's like that attitude doesn't no. help does it definitely not sorry Stu <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, um, if you went for a job interview, right, and they said, you ever broke your leg? And you're like, yeah, I broke my leg when I was 10. You're like, oh, sorry, you can't buy for this job, mate. If I broke a leg when you was 10, sorry, you're not going to get the job. You know, it's like the way that you would deal with mental health like that to say if you ever had depression, and to be honest, and say, yeah, I had depression. Or oh, sorry, we wouldn't consider you for the job. Well, now we've got the mental health act. I think what you said, two thousand and three or whatever. Oh, like that. That's yeah, thirteen. Sorry, yeah, and that 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 definitely brought in precedent that you can't, you know, that like that happened to me now. You know, I'd be because I probably was the best applicant for that job, and that was the only reason, even at eighteen, why I didn't get a job. 
you know? So, I mean, I moved on, but hey ho. Mike, thank you for coming and talking to us for the third time. Hey, I enjoyed it. It's quite long. Well, it's not a lot of stuff. How did... How did you put yourself through it? I don't know. I had to leave the living room anyway, so, you know. Hello, our first ever three-timer. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was uh, episode one of season two. Mike, give us your shout-out to, to talk about it, mate. Where can people find you? Yeah, find us everywhere at Talk About It Mate. Facebook closed group called Talk About It Mate at the Talk Space. That's a closed group, confidential group, but, but we share things. You can find us on men's meetings on Zoom. Uh, you can get a link from me uh, on any of our social media. That's Wednesdays and Sundays for men at 6.30 p.m. Thursdays for women at 6.30 p.m. And on Saturdays, uh, I do like an entertainment hour. I use the word entertainment loosely, and that's called um, it's 11.30 in the morning. That's called the Weekend Waffle. And we put some quizzes in there. We, sometimes we wear Hawaiian shirts. The other week I wore a waistcoat. Um, and we just have a bit of like a general free-for-all people. And that men, women, my mum and dad are there. It's a bit of a laugh, really. And then that's it. Talk about it, mates everywhere. Where's your Insta? Insta at Talk About It, mate. Uh, always sharing great quotes. A couple of them I've mentioned tonight. Um, yeah. And Twitter again. Uh, at Talk About It, mate. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for coming on, Mike. Much appreciated. Appreciate it.